the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How, how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Now, Just Eat are proud partners with UEFA as part of their Champions League sponsorship. Just Eat are set to visit four of Ireland's biggest universities on UEFA Champions League match days in September and October, aiming to increase awareness of their UEFA sponsorship. At each campus, they'll be hosting a soccer skills activation and those who participate have a chance to win Champions League branded prizes, Just Eat vouchers, and one lucky winner per campus will win UEFA Champions League tickets and hospitality. And I'm delighted to say Stephanie Roach is with us this morning to help promote this. Stephanie, good morning. How are you getting on? Hey lads, how are you? I'm all good, thank you. Um, The draw came through last week for Ireland and it punctured a little bit of the joy and celebration around the team just given the fact that we were hoping for an easy draw and we got a really hard draw. What was your immediate reaction to the news that it's uh, Scotland or Austria and most likely Austria? Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at the draw, I think we did get the the harder side of it. Um, I think also the fact that we obviously missed round one to get into round two and, and we've got an away draw as well. I think that was a little bit unfortunate because I think maybe the, the the team that's qualified to round two maybe should have had the home draw. So that kind of goes against you as well. But look, I think the girls have said it. I think they've come through a really tough group getting to the playoffs. What was a tough thing to do originally. So, so I don't they'll fear any of the teams they're playing. But as you say, we've got definitely the tougher side of the draw. But it's just about facing whoever we get now, whether it be Scotland or Austria. I think... As you said, it probably will end up being Australia. Probably would have preferred Scotland, but um, look, we'll see what happens in that game. And, and all we can do is just prepare for it. Hopefully, there's a mass brawl. It goes to extra time and penalties, and they're completely exhausted <laughs> and they've loads of suspensions. That, that's the best case scenario here for us. Yeah, definitely. Look, at, he'll obviously look for everything that could possibly go our way, and whatever can happen in that game can definitely, if that can help us. But look, as I said, I think the girls have faced tougher tests over the last couple of games. I think the, the game against Sweden away, particularly was a great result for us so look I think we've seen in the past when, when it's, we're up against it we're probably at our best you know we, we think we're expected to win games probably that's where we don't perform so I think to play a, a team like Austria might be a bigger challenge and it might be it might end up playing into our hands as well you know We were having this conversation a little bit earlier on about the very <coughs> definition of counter-attacking and um, I, the team has been built for big games the team isn't necessarily built for dominating games against opponents who are of similar standard to us but certainly if, if Austria come and, and, and or if we're in Austria and Austria are dominating possession in that game, Ireland won't really be that worried. The, the setup of the team structurally and tactically is designed to be able to withdraw or to withstand that kind of pressure. Exactly, yeah. I think that's that's how we've built the whole campaign so as we've played throughout the whole campaign so far. And I think when you look at the players that we have, you've got pacey players up front like Heather Payne and Leanne Kiernan who you can bring in and, and they'll kind of take the pressure off the defence. And as you say, we're, we're kind of we've been set up in games where we've played our best, where we've been kind of compact defensively and just trying to use that quick counter-attack and, and get the ball forward quickly for those type of players to be able to produce something. So, look, that might sit, suit us a little bit better. I think in the, in the last two games, maybe we, we, we got through them and we got the result which we needed, but probably the performance wasn't as good as it has been previously. So, look, that might suit us a bit more, as I said before, kind of, as you said, the, the way we set up as a team is probably suited to be kind of a bit more compact defensively and try and hit them on the counter-attack. If you're to make the argument, Stephanie, for, for Ireland to progress, regardless of whether it's Scotland or Austria, like I guess Vera has, has ensured that these players play against some of the big teams, even in friendlies and that. She, she's always keen to get some of the, the top-ranked teams against uh, her, her side. And then when you look at the Swedish draw as well, I mean, 
they've done it before against one of the top teams in the world so there's no reason why they can't take on anyone yeah exactly and I think just it's in kind of Irish DNA isn't it in terms of sports we always seem to perform better when we're the underdog you know and I think that's something that we've always had um, as you mentioned, we play kind of against some tougher teams in the build-up to this campaign. Obviously, we had a bit of a losing streak, but I think it's stood to us going through this campaign because we've kind of been prepared for the bigger nations coming to us and, and kind of not just going into games where maybe you might win easily and it gets the confidence up. It's about kind of preparing for, for tougher games going forward within the campaign. And as I said, that's stood to us so far. So so hopefully it can kind of, when we play against either Scotland or Austria, that will stand to us again. But look, it's going to be a tough game. Um, obviously, getting through that as well I think it's it's Switzerland will face Wales or Bosnia and then kind of it depends on who gets through the, through the group in terms of the three who will go to the, the mini tournament in February as well so there's still a long way to go but we just got to take it game by game and hope that hope that the results go our way our only our only real reference point for for a playoff in the in the women's game was was back in two thousand and eight against Iceland. And I know you are you are part of that squad at maybe nineteen or twenty years of age, very young. But what what are your recollections of that? Like I remember it was a one all game at home, and then the the game in the ice and snow uh, <laughs> over in Iceland ended ended three nil. Um, sadly, not to Ireland, but that must have been quite an experience for you and something that a lot of these these Irish players now are going to have to face themselves. I think there's only three members of the current squad that were on that team back then as well. So it's a lot of pressure when you get, when you get to that playoff moment. Yeah, and look, I think looking back on that game, that was my first ever cap for Ireland. And I remember coming out on the pitch before the game and there was groundsmen going around with these big shovels and like hitting the ice. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to go ahead. There's no way the pitch was completely unplayable. Like, And the game went ahead anyway. And obviously, as you said, we lost the game. But for me, to see us get into a playoff is, is brilliant because constantly you hear people talking about how women's football has progressed and the team is doing really well. And for me, we haven't progressed until we at least match what we've done in 2008. And, and we've done that with this World Cup playoff. But for me, that's the best thing that's happened now is that we've got to the playoff. We've made that breakthrough. And hopefully, as I said, I know it's a, a lot harder of it. Obviously, back then it was just a two-game playoff. It was home and away draw. Whereas now for the World Cup, it's a little bit more complicated. But for me, matching that playoff and getting there is definitely progress. And that's great to see. So hopefully, as I said, the girls can go one step further and get us there. But for me, that was the biggest thing that ever happened with women's football was getting to that playoff. And as I said, over the years, you're constantly told women's football is getting better. It's it's this, that and the other. And obviously, people are getting more interested in it. But for me, the biggest progression for us has to be getting to that playoff. And that's been great to see. I know, and like the, the benefits of getting to a tournament mm. in terms of inspiring future generations. So that's the prize. And like, um, even if we don't qualify this time, you have to hope that the improvement in results is going to lead to a better draw for the Euros. And we should definitely qualify for the Euros, given how well the team is playing at the moment in the age profile of the squad. So, you know, you, you can make the case that um, it's not going to be a disaster if we don't qualify, but it's going to be so disappointing because we, we're all so invested in this in this. Um, group at the moment I, what's what's your own situation at the moment Stephanie you were obviously back in uh, named in Ireland squads for the um, the two matches in the summer what's your, your situation at the moment um, yeah look I kind of have been on standby for, for quite a while now I've been involved with the home base squad obviously back playing with P-mounts um, I've been in and around the squad quite a bit um, I was on standby for, for the Georgia game and then got drafted in last minute um, just before my wedding actually so it was all a bit hectic but um yeah, look, I, as I said, I'm on standby with the team. I've had conversations with Vera. I've been around the squad quite a bit and obviously I've been part of it throughout this campaign. So, look, all I can do is kind of keep focusing on my on my club my club performances and, and hopefully that'll give me an opportunity to get back in again. But look, I'm always, as I've said, I'm always available to play for Ireland. I always want to play for Ireland. I'm not ready to, to retire just yet. But um, as I said, I'm on standby and, and I've had conversations with Vera. I've been around the squad a bit, but 
at the moment I'm kind of just on the on the on the outside as, as I said nothing else you could do except keep scoring goals uh, like you did at the weekend yeah yeah that's it hopefully I can get a few more of them I probably ha- should have had a couple more in that game to be honest but uh, look we got the win and as you said I got the goal which was nice I did want to ask you about the story that's kind of been brewing over the last uh, 24 48 hours or so the the Galway situation where Galway are doing relatively well at the moment <laughs> in the league you know a few wins here and they could be much further up the table they're, they're nowhere near the worst team in the league by any stretch of the imagination but they've announced now that they're not going to apply for membership of the league next season and they've uh, stated that they hope that somebody else will come in and that there will be a senior Galway women's football team there's a suggestion today that it might be in connection with the fact that the game is going semi-pro and it'd be a bit of a disaster if going semi-pro was an excuse or a reason for some of these clubs not to progress what what was your take and, and read and all that and what have your teammates and friends and colleagues within the league have been saying about it yeah look obviously when it was announced it was it was um, there was a message into our, our WhatsApp group of females and a lot of the girls are going to ask some questions about it and for me I'll be honest my initial thought was surely they're going to go in with Galway United that's it's just been announced that they're not going to go ahead with it but they're going to be affiliated with the men's team a little bit better so look I, I'd be shocked if they do go out of, the team, out of the league because they've been a great team over the years I think some of the players that have come through the Galway setup, like the likes of Julianne Russell Maeve the Burke Niamh Fahey obviously played there years ago as well so there's players there's definitely players within that region that are are capable of playing within the Women's National League so to not have a team would be disastrous you know and I think as I said they've they've been successful over the years probably kind of that team that have almost got there but not got there you know and and when you look at their underage system over the last couple of years they've they've won under 17s and under 19s titles so they definitely have a young good squad coming up so to not be in the league would as I said be disastrous so hopefully as I said my my thought straight away was surely Galway United are going to come in and and obviously they've gone full time in their men's setup, so surely they can help the women's side, and and it can become one big club. Yeah, that would that would be really great, and it kind of would definitely be a way forward. Like, is it taken as a fact that the league is going semi-professional next year? Is that what your understanding of that is? I I I'd like to hope so. I think the rumours I've heard, obviously nothing's been confirmed yet, but the rumours that I've heard is that a lot of the clubs, obviously we've seen the likes of Bose. Um, coming forward and and shells kind of affiliating with the men's team a bit more, so it's it's definitely seems to be heading that way. And look, it's something that I've been calling for for the last few years. I think when you look at the players and the standard within the league, it's definitely capable of doing that. And going semi pro will help improve. It will help improve performances. Will give the girls in the league a better chance to be able to perform and and focus more on their football and stuff. So I think it's it's got to be the way forward, and hopefully it will. Yeah, because that that seems to have been the reason that the the um, on Goa Bay FM the chairperson was saying that's that was one of the reasons why they couldn't continue next year now hopefully it is a way of getting the Goa United's ownership to go actually you know yeah we should actually be a men's and women's club it makes perfect sense it's like doubling our audience all the games that we'll play the youth system and, and the rising tide will lift all boats so fingers crossed because that, that seems to be the first time anybody's publicly said that's what's going to happen next year you're saying that it's long been rumoured so maybe that's the start of the official word leaking out yeah, hopefully, as I said, I think it's something that myself and a few other players in the league have been saying. And look, I know there's, it's easy to say it, but there's ways of how you, how you do it and how you make it happen. And that's up to the people within the, that run the league. But for me, I think it's it's the way forward. I think particularly when you see the women's Irish team doing so well, you have the Euros on TV. A lot of people are more interested in women's football. So for me, the, the only way forward is to go semi-professional. So please God, it happens. And look, we'll wait and see. 
It's far too early to be asking you this question, Stephanie, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Like I saw on your Twitter at the weekend, you were at the FAI headquarters and a lot of um, uh, you were standing on the sidelines as a lot of young girls were taking part in a bit of a, a training camp over the weekend. Uh, there was a photo of you standing on the sideline, arms crossed. You had very managerial vibes, off you have to say. <laughs> like, is that down the line something that you're that you're half thinking about? Is it more punditry, or, or, or would management and coaching be something half interesting for you? Uh, definitely like yeah I, I obviously do quite a bit of coaching at the moment so I have my own coaching company that be in schools and, and running summer camps and stuff like that so definitely something I'd be interested in like obviously football has been a huge part of my life and I think if I was just walk away and not be involved in football at all I don't think I'd be a very good person to be around so it's definitely something that I, I'd love to get into um, I love that side of the game and actually you mentioned the thing I've done with Sky like some of the young girls that were playing there were excellent and definitely I think stars for the future so to be able to be a part of something like that would be nice um, as you say a little bit further down the line obviously but um, that definitely something I'd like to get into would be a bit of coaching I'm doing my way for B at the moment so hoping to, to keep going down that uh, the coaching badge route and see what happens in the future I know you're a big uh, Manchester United fan Stephanie and I, I'm very jealous looking at you during the week at the um, Irish, Gros- Irish Grocers Benevolent Fund charity dinner a lot of big names there, Bernard Brogan, and I know Ken Doherty was there as well. But uh, Roy Keane, I mean, to be sitting at a table with with the likes of Roy Keane, I'm sure there were conversations off mic that were uh, more than interesting to be at that table. Yeah, it was. Look, it was a crazy day. Like, obviously, as you say, I'm a big United fan, and I actually I, I'd been asked to do that the event a long time ago, and I only got an email about the kind of run through, and I seen Roy Keane's name, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, Roy Keane is doing this. So it was all obviously, as you can imagine, as a United fan. I'd be a huge fan of Roy Keane, so to, to know I was going to be sitting at a lunch table with him was was pretty special. But it was a great day, obviously. And as you say, we done the the Q and A and stuff up on stage. But before that, we were at the table sitting down chatting and just hearing some of the stories. And obviously, as I said, I would have grown up watching Roy Keane on telly and hearing some of his stories. And also Ken Doherty, like who's a, a legend as well. So it was nice to be able to kind of sit down with the two of them and have chats and. We actually ended up, it was meant to finish at four o'clock and we didn't get out of there until about 20 past six. So so the conversation went on afterwards as well, which was nice. And look, it was a great day. And as I said, as a United fan, to be in the company of someone like that was, was fantastic. Did you get to chat to Roy much one-on-one? Yeah, he was actually lovely, you know. And look, obviously he has this persona and people kind of don't really know what way to take him or whatever. But for me, he was lovely. He was really chatty. and um, we, ch- we just chatted about football. He, he was asking about the women's team and obviously where I'm playing at the moment, all that sort of stuff. So he was really, really nice guy. And, and as I said, it's, it's, it can be hard when you hear the stories about him. And obviously, I've, I've known a lot about him throughout the years, but obviously being face-to-face and having that chat was nice. And, and as I said, he was a lovely guy, really nice. We've been talking all uh, all morning and probably all week, uh, Stephanie, about the, the postponements and games for obvious reasons uh, cross channel. Um, and it was similar for the women's Super League. Like it was, it was all set for this big, record-breaking, massive attendance uh, kickstart to this to the new season at the weekend in in the men's stadiums as well, uh, which was going to add a little bit of an extra dimension to the whole season. Now that that's not happened, it, I mean. It, Disappointing looking in from the outside. Like it probably won't wouldn't be the same. These games probably have to be rescheduled for midweek if they are to be in the uh, those stadiums, which might not draw as big a crowd. The families can't really go in the evening kickoffs and all the rest. Um, yeah. So a bit disappointing from that perspective. Yeah. No. Definitely. And I think look, obviously people are talking about how it's it's disrupted for the men's game because obviously there's such a big schedule at the moment before the World Cup. But for me, it's a bigger effect on the women's game because. Obviously, as I said, after the Euros, the promotion around the games, the first games of WSL have been huge. They're playing in the men's stadium. And like, there's been a lot, a lot of work that's gone into it. But to change the schedule like that has probably is really messed up a lot of stuff for the women's teams. And obviously, as you say, 
the games will now have to probably go ahead midweek, which maybe might not draw as many people in. So, look, hopefully something can be arranged and, and, and the girls will be able to play in the men's stadium. Because I think, as I said, with the, the kind of interest around the women's game after the Euros, they definitely will draw the crowd. And it would be disappointing to see that not happen there, you know. But it's for me, as I said, I think the men's game has been effective. But for me, it's been more so effective for the women's. Stephanie, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Thanks a million, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 